Hello, and thanks for tuning in to the 10th and Broad Church of Christ podcast. Today's message is presented by Ken Holsberry, the preaching minister at the 10th and Broad Church. Let's tune in now for Ken's message. Well, very often we are encouraged to practice what we preach, right? That's something we think is important, to practice what we preach. That's good advice. But starting today and for the next couple of weeks, I'm going to actually preach what we practice. I'm going to preach what we practice. Um, Jesus, when he commissioned us to go and make disciples, he commissioned us. One of the things we're to do is to baptize them. And so that is a, a practice that we have that we get from the commission of Jesus. We get from the example of Jesus. And over the next Three weeks, today and the next two weeks after that, we're going to make the case for baptism and celebrate what God does in baptism. Uh, So over the next three weeks, as you think about that, probably some of you will hear this sermon series and it will cause you to reflect back. And you will remember when you were immersed into the Lord Jesus Christ and you had your sins washed away. And God gifted you with the promised Holy Spirit. You'll, you'll reflect back and you will remember that. For some of you, during this sermon series, I pray that God will call you and will nudge you and will direct you and you'll make the decision that you haven't made before. That you want to be immersed into the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll, we'll, we'll receive this series in different ways. But for all of us, We're going to celebrate and we're going to marvel at the incredible gift that God gives us. And that is something that is incredibly important that I want to stop and say as we start this series. Is we, what we celebrate is not baptism. What we celebrate is salvation through Jesus, the Messiah, right? That's what we celebrate. We celebrate salvation through Jesus. We celebrate the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. Baptism is a picture of that. But what we celebrate is Jesus and what he did. Because Peter and and Paul and, and the others in Scripture, they didn't preach baptism. What they preached was Jesus and him crucified. And preaching that good news led people to be baptized into Jesus. And so we don't want to ever get those things out of order. We want to keep Jesus at the premier place that he belongs. Baptism doesn't lead us to Jesus. Jesus leads us to baptism. And so this morning as we start the series, I want us to spend some time to look at see what Jesus said and did and practiced when it came to baptism. Well, baptism or baptize is not and was not a religious word. Actually, it's really not a word at all. For a word that we use a lot, it's not a word. What I mean by that is the the Greek language in which the New Testament was written in had a word for immersing something in water. And that word was baptizo. And it just meant to put something under water. 
It was used in all kinds of context. Again, not religiously. It was used if you washed your dishes, you baptized them. If you washed your clothes, you baptized them. If a ship sunk, they talk about the ship as being baptized. It, it, it sunk. It was immersed underwater. There's actually a, a recipe that we have that was written in, in that time in Greek. And it's a recipe for making pickles. And it talks about baptizing the cucumbers in vinegar. So all that word meant was just to dunk something. To put it under water. But the group of people who were translating the Bible into English already had some religious practices that didn't match up with that. And so rather than translating the word as dunk or immerse or submerge, they just transliterated it and made a new English word from baptizo. They just made a word baptize. And so when you read your New Testament, every time you see that word, you should, you should read dunk in its place. Before my family became part of the restoration movement, back in the 1800s, they were part of a group called the Duncan Brethren. Or also they just called them the Dunkards. Now, not drunkards. But dunkards, that's what they called this group of people. Who, and the reason they were called that is because they believed in immersion for baptism. They believed in dunking and not sprinkling. And so again, that's, the, that's what you need to think of when you hear this word. And so that means that John the baptizer becomes John the dunker. Why was John called that? Well, John was a prophet and he was out at the Jordan River. And he was dunking people. He was baptizing people. And so this morning, I want you just for a few minutes to place yourself there. To imagine yourself as an Israelite, as a Jew, living during that time. And you've heard about John and what he's doing at the Jordan River. And you, as part of the vast crowds of people, decide to go out and hear what John is saying and see what John is doing. So I want you to put yourself there. And that's the way we're going to get to what was Jesus doing and saying about baptism. Okay, so you're there at the Jordan River. John is this bold preacher. He is just dramatically and radically calling out sin and pointing his finger at people. And when he wasn't pointing at you, you thought it was great. And he was calling people to repent. To repent of their sin. Why were they to repent? Because the king is on his way. The Messiah is coming. And so we need to recognize our sin. We need to repent of our sin. And we need to be baptized is what John is teaching. We need to be dunked. And so he was preaching it and he was practicing it. And he was dunking them in the Jordan River. And again, imagine yourself that you're there. You would have had some context for this dunking. It wasn't a new thing. It was a part of your practice as a Jew, as an Israelite. But not only would it have been a part of your practice, it would have been a part of your history. And Paul uses this kind of imagery, and that's the reason I'm going to use it this morning. But again, I want you to imagine that you're the Israelite who is there at the Jordan, and you're watching John do this dunking. What would you have been thinking about? Your mind would have started going back. 
you would have been versed in the Word of God and you would know the stories and your mind would go back to a time when your people were in bondage in Egypt. God's people were there for 400 years and they were made slaves in Egypt. And they cried out to God and God heard their cry and He sent a prophet named Moses who was going to lead the people out. But before that could happen, there was going to be a battle among the gods. And the one and true God was going to show his power over the gods of Egypt and over the Pharaoh of Egypt in what we know of as the ten plagues. But Pharaoh continued to resist. He wouldn't let the people go until the final plague when God killed the firstborn over all the land. For everyone who was not marked by the blood... They were passed over, but everyone else, the firstborn in that house, was killed. And finally, that night, Pharaoh relented, and he said, let the people go. Get them out of the nation. And so Moses led them out, and they went out, and they were on their way to this promised land. And within just a matter of days, they found themselves in a predicament. Because in front of them was the Red Sea, and behind them was Pharaoh's army, because he had changed his mind, and he was going to come and get the people. And so they're caught between Pharaoh and the sea. And God, at that moment, does a mighty powerful miracle that we still remember to this day and that we celebrate and he parted the waters of that sea and the people of God passed through the waters that's language that Paul uses later the people of God passed through the waters to salvation and deliverance from their enemy and that image would have been going through your mind as you stood there on that day at the river, watching John baptize. But your memory would have continued because those people were led by God and by Moses for 40 years through the wilderness until finally they came to the the edge of the promised land. They came to the Jordan River where you're standing right now. And the Jordan River was at flood stage. And God said, it's time to enter in. And when the priest carrying the ark put their toes in the water, God piled the water up on one side and the water drained out on the other. And the people walked across through the waters into the promise that God had made for them. And so those images of going through the water would have been in your mind a thousand years later as you stood there. And you listened to John and you watched John call people to come through the water. Why was he calling them to come through the water? Because redemption and deliverance was on the other side. Something that God had stored up and promised and was ready to give was on the other side. The king was coming. His kingdom was coming. And so John was calling people to come through the water. You didn't know it that day, but at that moment, the one that John was talking about was in the crowd as well. And in just a few minutes, you noticed that someone went into the water to be baptized, but John wouldn't baptize them. And John, John began to have a conversation, and you couldn't hear the conversation, but it's clear that John doesn't want to dunk him. We know the story because Matthew wrote it down in chapter 3 of his gospel. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, yet you come to me. 
And so there is a conversation that takes place between John and between Jesus. And and John doesn't want to baptize Jesus. Why doesn't John want to baptize Jesus? Because John knows who Jesus is. John is his cousin. John knows the stories from his mother Elizabeth and, and her cousin Mary. And John knows because this is the Messiah. This is the one who John has pointed to and said, he's the one who has come to take away the sins of the world. He is the Lamb of God. And John knows that as the Lamb of God, as the one sent from God, as the Messiah and the coming King, he does not need to repent of anything. He has no sin in him. He is the deliverance. He doesn't need the deliverance. And so John doesn't want to baptize him. But yet Jesus stands there ready And wanting to be baptized. Why? Why did Jesus come to be baptized? And Jesus gives the answer himself. Jesus replied. Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this. Why is it proper to do this? To fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. Those words convinced John. John understood those words. It's a phrase that we probably don't use very much, but we know it as a Bible phrase to fulfill all righteousness. If you highlight in your Bible, if you highlight on your device, mark that phrase in some way. Jesus came to be baptized to fulfill all righteousness. I think there's two levels of meaning to that phrase. There's one that's global and, and cosmic and big picture. And there's one that's personal and, and smaller and, and, and has to do with you and with me individually. The, the first one, the larger meaning. When it talks about fulfilling all righteousness, God is doing something righteous in the world. God is doing something right in the world. Why is he doing something right in the world? Because the world is all wrong. Things need to be made right. And God is the one who can do that. And so God is coming into the world to do a right and righteous thing. He has a plan and he has a mission. And just like his plan and mission was to deliver his children from the bondage of Egypt. Now his plan and his mission is to deliver his children and all children across the world. All people in the world to deliver them from the bondage of sin. And give them salvation. And he's got a plan. And he's got a mission. And Jesus is the central figure in this mission of God making things right. And it's a righteous plan. And it's a righteous mission. And it involves bringing his people through the water. And so Jesus is baptized as part of the plan and the mission of God to make things right. It is righteous and proper that Jesus would do this. That's the big picture. But the smaller picture that has to do with Jesus standing there in the water on that day with John. It has to do with you and me in the moment that we find ourselves making that decision. And standing in the water. Is on on another level that phrase to fulfill all righteousness connects us to the larger movement and work of God. That phrase can be translated, when Jesus said to fulfill all righteousness, it can be translated, I must do all that is right. 
Jesus needed to do all that was right. And for those of us who follow Jesus, we want to do all that is right. And Jesus was saying that being baptized was the right thing to do. Because it was an act personally of submitting himself to God. It is an act personally of us submitting ourselves to God. To submitting ourselves as Jesus did to the plan and to the mission of God. And here at the very beginning of his ministry, when Jesus submits in baptism, he is submitting to the cross. I want to make sure that you get that. Because here at the very beginning of his ministry, when Jesus submits himself in baptism to the righteous plan of God, he is knowingly and wholeheartedly submitting himself to the cross. Because the cross is the plan of God to save the world. Jesus connects baptism and the cross. Now, it's not spoken here. It's unspoken, but it is spoken in another place. In Mark chapter 10, some of his disciples are pestering him because they want to be next to him whenever the kingdom comes. And they want the prime jobs and the plush positions. And Jesus looks at them because they don't understand what it will involve. They don't understand at that point that it's going to mean a cross. And Jesus looks at them and he says, you don't know what you're asking. Can you drink the cup that I drink? Boy, we just experienced that symbolism, didn't we, when we took communion. And he also says, can you be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? Jesus is talking about the cross. He calls it baptism. He connects the two. Now he goes on to say, actually... You don't know what you're asking, but you will actually be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. Because all of us are, and all of us will, if we choose to follow Jesus. And submit to him in baptism, and submit to the cross in our own lives. Jesus is connecting the cross and baptism and an act of submission to God's will and God's plan and God's righteousness. And Jesus submitted himself to it. And he calls all of us who follow him to submit ourselves to it as well. And so in our baptism, we see a reflection of Jesus baptism. Because when he walked out into that water. That day. In the Jordan. To John, he didn't take over the pulpit and say, okay, all you sinners out there, you need to come be baptized. What he did is he offered himself up to be baptized. He identified, rather than calling out the sinners, he identified with the sinners. And he himself was immersed. That's how he began his ministry Now I want to remind you of how he ended his ministry. It's something we talk about a lot. It's in Matthew chapter 28. It's very familiar words. Then Jesus came to them and he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, 
baptizing them, dunking them, immersing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus begins his ministry submitting himself in baptism to the mission of God and he ends his ministry by calling all of us who follow him to do the same and to go and help other people do it as well. From beginning to end, baptism is connected to the mission, the righteous mission of God. Now, the definition of a disciple that we use is Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. Follow me, the scripture says, and I will make you fishers of men. And that little short verse has three parts to it. The disciple is someone who is following Jesus. A disciple is someone who is being changed by Jesus. He says, I will make you. And a disciple is someone who is joining the mission of Jesus. I'm going to make you fishers of men. That's what a disciple is. Somebody who's following Jesus, being changed by Jesus, joining the mission of Jesus. And so I want to invite you today to follow Jesus. I want to invite you to follow in his steps. Follow where he leads. Follow Jesus into the waters of baptism. Because it's the right thing to do. It's a righteous thing to do. Follow him in submitting to your father and submitting your life to his mission and his will and his plan, knowing that it leads to a cross. I invite you this morning to be changed by Jesus. Because in immersion, Jesus will begin to change you. Scripture says that he makes us new. He gives us a new heart. We, we can renew our minds. He begins to change us from the inside out as only God can do when we submit our lives to him. And he gives us this incredible gift of the Holy Spirit who lives in us because in baptism our sins have been washed away and we're clean and we're a fit temple for the presence of God. And so his spirit comes and he lives in us and he helps us and he guides us and he leads us and he teaches us and he reminds us of the things that Jesus said that are true and right. So I invite you to be changed by Jesus. And I invite you this morning to join the mission of Jesus. And bring others. Go. Make disciples, baptizing them, teaching them to obey all that Jesus has commanded. And Jesus will be with you. Jesus will be with you. And even back at that river, we see the truth of that statement. Because when Jesus was baptized... Immediately after he submitted to God in the waters of the Jordan, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love with him. I am well pleased. 
And that same spirit from that same father will be with you always. So this morning is just the first of a three-part series. I hope there's somebody in your life that needs to hear this message that you'll share that with them. You can find that on our YouTube, on Facebook, on our website. And I hope you'll invite them to come next week. Don't badger them about it. But just invite them. So they could hear these important messages from Jesus about baptism. From the scriptures about baptism. Because we need to dive deeper into these waters. And you may be ready to imitate Jesus today. To follow him into baptism. Maybe you're ready to accept him and to submit to him today. To proclaim him as both Lord and as Christ. And so as we finish, I just want to go to Acts chapter 2. We go to Acts chapter 2 a lot when we talk about baptism. But I want to go to what came before Acts 2.38. Because again, we're not preaching baptism. We're preaching Jesus. And when we preach Jesus, baptism follows. Because there's no such thing as an unbaptized Christian in the New Testament. And Peter got up that day. And he preached a powerful sermon. The first sermon that had ever been preached like this about Jesus. And he said that Jesus was a man from Nazareth. And that God affirmed him as the Messiah and as the king by these wonderful signs and miracles. And that there were people there who had seen them. And we read eyewitness accounts of them today. But that this man Jesus... Affirmed by God. Had been turned over to the authorities. And he had been accused falsely. And he had been reviled. And he had been betrayed. And he had been crucified. And that he died. And that he was buried. But that God has raised him from the dead. And he is not dead anymore. He is alive. And that David. In the Old Testament prophesied about him. And that Joel prophesied about things that would happen when he came. That Jesus is this Messiah. And that God has raised him to life. And that now God has exalted him to the right hand of the majesty of heaven. And he has poured out his Holy Spirit. Just as was prophesied. And he says, friends, God... Has made this Jesus who was crucified. Both Lord and Christ. And I want to ask you this morning. Do you believe that Jesus is both Lord and Christ? Are you ready to follow that Jesus? Are you ready to proclaim that Jesus? To acknowledge him as Lord. That he is the ruler of your life. He's the boss. He's the master. He's the one who commands and we obey. He is the ruler and king of our life. He's he's the Lord. He's also the Christ. 
He is the one who was perfect and sinless and could offer himself as a sacrifice so that our sins would be washed away and we would be clean before the Father and holy and right. If you acknowledge him as Lord and you acknowledge him as Christ, if you believe what the Bible says about Jesus, I want to encourage you today to submit to him in baptism. Don't pass up the opportunity. Come right now. I've put some towels right up here at the front. Today when we sing this next song, I want you to come and just take a towel. And that'll be how we'll know. And we'll be ready to go into the other room and to baptize you into the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Spirit. And you'll be doing what Jesus himself modeled for us. So would you stand? If you're ready, would you respond to Jesus as we sing this song?